Uh, we only did them on weekends. Uh-huh. And it, the, for the first month, we'd buy one pack of bacon, 16 strips. Right. When those 16 donuts we were, were gone, we were out. Wow. And uh, and then as time went over. And then Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain <laughs> came and had one. Then at that point, a big sign came up in the back, never, ever run out of bacon <laughs> maple bars. From the studios of Kink Radio, it's the Portland 50, a podcast series about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The Portland 50 series is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. I'm your host, Peggy LaPointe. Today, I talk with Trace Shannon and Cat Daddy, who started Voodoo Donuts in 2003 in downtown Portland. They're known for their creative donuts, like the now infamous Maple Bacon Donut, and operate seven stores and one food cart. And of course, the world knows that good things come in pink boxes. Yep, 1994, I ran against Earl Blumenauer and Vera Katz were the two yep. the ones, the big front runners, and I came in fourth out of 13. I did all right. My big thing was, because um, I was running the X-Ray Cafe then, so it was an all-ages club, and my big thing was like registering kids to vote, you know, because I had a lot of 18 to 19-year-olds and no one had voted. So I was very proud. I think I registered close to seven, 8,000 people. Whether they went out and voted was a whole other other ball game, but um, that was kind of my one of my platforms. But it was a really interesting time because, you know, I was a business owner, you know, granted the x-ray wasn't like a thriving business, but it was still kind of notorious. And um, it was really fun and kind of awkward to go into those times where you have to speak for two minutes and three minutes forums that you have with all the candidates. And it was really, I was able to say, as a business owner, I feel your pain or as a business owner, I get this and get that. And as opposed to just holding up a copy of the Bible and the constitution and just railing at people, which few people did on that race. It did teach me that and I really want, it wasn't a joke. I mean, I wanted to be the mayor and um, I had no idea like how much it costs to become the mayor of Portland, Oregon, because I thought a couple of hundred grand, hundred grand and stuff. And they each raised over a million bucks in the primaries and then neither got 50%. So there was a runoff. So then they raised like another million bucks. So I raised like 3000 bucks and got a fax machine and a New York Dolls bootleg album cover out of the whole out of the whole thing <laughs> and did okay I thought I, I think I got a good message out there but um and then I ran for city council 2 years later too which yeah. no one really remembers that but I don't remember that as much but I no. do remember when you ran for mayor I was living in northwest portland and I think I saw something at escape from New York pizza Now Phil was always a big Phil big was supporter. a big yes yes uh, that was my home away from home uh, when I didn't feel like cooking Tuesday nights, he still makes that square Neapolitan uh, pizza. Tuesday days, yeah. I he's live still, in Southeast now. I gotta yeah. get to know. Phil, that's Phil, the Phil's best. the real deal too. He's, he's kind of an iconic deal. Portland business owner as well. He he's really is one of those people that we always try to strive to be more like if we yeah. could. So, the idea. I mean, you come from Barbati's Pan, where you were booking shows, and I think Kink had a couple of shows there too. I'm sure you did. Uh, you booked a lot. That's where I saw the Dandy Warhols for the first time. Oh yeah, I didn't even notice a Dandy Warhol shirt right yeah. here. And then as a business owner with Barbati's Pants, you had a little business background. Mm-hmm. And then you came from a hospitality cat daddy. Hospitality and hotel? Yes. Uh, I started uh, at the Imperial Hotel shortly after moving to town. I worked there pretty much through the 90s, living in Northwest as well. And kind of worked every job I could work there, uh, almost. And uh, it was a good little mom and pop organization that's kind of always gravitate back to mom and pops. Mm-hmm. Uh, back, you know, after, after working up and down. And then uh, when when they started moving along and, and sold off their food and beverage, I became the bar manager at the Heathman for a year. Oh, okay. And then moved over to Atwater's after that for a year or so, That's all along at that point, knowing that I was going to jump off the ladder and, and do something. And do something. And not knowing that I was looking out the window at the place <laughs> that I would do it, but yeah. but I was I was tired of, uh, of that big game and wanted to play my own game. I'd said all along that I'd always wanted to do it, and I just – Finally convinced. First, I had to convince myself right. to stop talking about it and do it, and then I had to convince this other guy over here uh, for him to come along. And when we shook hands to do it, it was 
And that we took about was gonna be. two minutes. I mean, there <laughs> yeah. really wasn't a yeah. big talk. I mean, I was ready to ready to do something when he approached me because yeah. that was at the time when I, I was kind of singing for my supper. Then I was in the karaoke from Hell Band and DJing, and that was kind of hit and miss for money and, and all of that. And so when he came to me about that, I was like, yes, like let's do something. And at that yeah. point, we didn't know what it was going to be. We were still thinking, this guy's great with ideas. I mean, it was like we were going to do a... a, a a tour company where we'd have like certain cars for certain tours and kind of take people off the beaten path a real personal tour like you know this is a place I broke up with my girlfriend in 1989 <laughs> and this is my old house like I don't know who would take those tours but I think they'd be pretty interesting I think you could sell for that me, now least, yeah maybe yeah. now it'd be great but then you know and he was talking about a barbecue for a while because he's from the south and he does some of the best barbecue that I'd ever had up to that point but we just kind of came donuts kind of just sort of popped up. I mean, I, I kiddingly talked about a donut shop in Portland, Oregon in the 80s called Every Picture Tells a Story Donut, and it would just have pictures of Rod Stewart everywhere, and they'd all be cream-filled <laughs> donuts. And uh, you guys can insert the joke there. Yeah. And um, But, you know, that's like a ha-ha party thing. It's right. not really like this is really going to work, a Rod Stewart-themed donut shop. It was all about basically spelling the word donut correctly. And then he liked the idea of voodoo barbecue and it was kind of like voodoo and donut and let's do a donut job. And it certainly wasn't, it wasn't, hey, let's, let's, let's do this business thing. We had for a long time uh, over, over late night drinks. Oh, you know, we can, we can make a million dollars doing this, you know, yeah. and, and we're, we were actively for a long time talking about doing something, mm-hmm. but it was, it was always, you know, all right, last drink. And then we'll right. talk about it another time. Right. I was at a point where I was done, and and he was he was ready too. And so when we shook hands that day, we started. But you know, what do we do now? Right. And right. that's where the journey started until, until ultimately we picked. And that was a couple of years. So that was seventeen yeah. years ago, or probably something like that. So yeah, that would have been in two, February two thousand, yeah. and we opened in May of two thousand three. And so once you landed on the donut idea, which it's taken me. Uh, I don't know if it's a Wisconsin thing where I'm from. I always want to spell it D-O-N-U-T-S, which is not right. Those are do-nuts, not I donuts. Know. We make them out of dough. of dough. Exactly. You decided or you found this donut university, essentially. I mean, you learned how to make donuts. <laughs> yes. Some call it a camp, but yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, you know, I've been in hospitality since sixth grade. I got my right. first job and I've always kind of been around that. And but out of that, I'd spent six months in the line in the back. I mean, I'm a front of the house guy, uh, maybe maybe a kitchen manager, but not a cook. Mm-hmm. And so we had to know we could do it. So uh, when we found our company that was going to sell us product, we told them, it's like, look, we're kind of, we're new at this for sure. And if you want us to sell your product good, you should really show us the best way to make it. And that wasn't a too much of a problem to them. Like, well, we've got a, we've got a facility in Seattle. We have a facility in L.A. And of course, like, I haven't been to LA. We'll <laughs> go to LA, and that was the big. That's the big, the big thing on the that coast. Was the yeah, that was their big, their big uh, facility. So we climbed the sucrose tower and climbed the fructose tower and had a lot of fun down there. And we learned how to make donuts in like three days from these old grizzled veterans. And, and they um, laughed. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, that's a funny idea!" Ha ha. They laughed. And then when we we came back one more time before we opened for a refresher, because mm-hmm. you know we we're still green at it. We've right. been, you know, those three days. Well, plus we, we hadn't built a store yet. We yeah, still we had to build a store. <laughs> uh, but we got a little closer, and we came down for the refresher. And oh, you're back. That's funny. Ha ha ha. And then as time has progressed, and our buying power has gone from barely making the minimum to actually get a delivery to, to the delivery. Three times get. a week, no. Now the, the president of the company is usually there at the gate when we show I'm up sure to shake is. hands and stuff. So we've, I mean, we they've they've been there th- for us and we grew with them, so. The idea to be downtown, that was a, that was a. That was a conscious. Purposeful, yeah, conscious purposeful decision. decision. And that's because we both, were, we knew downtown. Cat yeah. Daddy was working at Outwaters at that time, staring downtown. I'm working at Burbati's. And I mean, I've been on that block since 1990 in some capacity, from the X-ray to now. I mean, I haven't ever moved from that block. And I tell this story. It's funny because when I first moved back to Portland, I had pretty much $8 in my pocket. And I'm coming from the airport, and I took a bus to the Benson Hotel to meet my mother. And not to meet her for the first time, but to meet her there at the Benson <laughs> While going over the Burnside Bridge, there was, this was in 1984, so it was a lot 
little like there was baloney joes on the other side and like all the social services and it was just even a little sleazier than it is now i don't know if it's sleazy is now it was just it was gritty sle- real it was gritty, gritty and real real a lot of uh, more skid rowy yeah. and and very and i just remember thinking this is a part of portland i need to avoid <laughs> like i totally can't like this is scary and i'll get mugged down here or something and then you know, four years later, I'm there for 20 years. I mean, it's right. hilarious. I mean, I always watched the Rose Festival from there. Um, even before I had the businesses, I would watch the Rose Festival from right in front of where the x-ray was, basically. So it's just kind of hilarious how that journey has... <laughs> it's I'm there every day now, <laughs> in the, deep in the crotch of Portland. So, And uh, that was that, a big eye-opening experience for me coming. I was pretty green to yeah. come to that part of town at that point. So. And then the hours when you first opened, they were 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. So you were targeting folks who were out looking for a bite to eat afterwards. Nothing tastes better than a donut. That after. Came, yeah, when I had a bartending gig right before I moved here, uh, you know, you get out at 2, 3 in the morning and I would go home. Like, oh, I just want to go home. I'm exhausted. I've been going all day. And I would drive by a donut shop. And no matter how exhausted I was. <laughs> And pulling in the car. And that was kind of the impetus, really. You know, people thought it was some crazy marketing thing. There was a silly, it was was purely business. We knew that we were in the, you know, which officially is the nightlife district. We just considered it, that's where the bars are for us. Uh, There was nothing around there but bodies at that point. And so we knew that our, we would do good business at night. And we were right on that. That was for the first years we did 60 to 70 percent of our business at night and and our business in the morning was just leftover and then you need to have somebody there to make donuts fresh in the morning because donuts are a morning thing so do you need so from the 10 p.m to 10 a.m just made perfect sense as far Mm -hmm. as business goes and then slowly you're able to stay open till 11 a.m or you're able to open by 9 p.m and as we got better we were able to sort of increase the hours and then till anthony bourdain came that's when we went 24 7 basically that was my next question when it was 24-7, and that was the big one because that he's pushed a us name. Over. Yeah, he came, and we're watching. You know, we did our bit with him. The guy was great, and we, I knew he was a famous chef, but this we, was kind of a we were working 18-hour days at that too. point, So, and it was he was still new on the scene, so it was just like, who is this guy? And they were just like, do you know who this guy is? And we're just like, it's a, you know, in our, in our, ex- in our exhaustion, we're just like, it's a branding opportunity. That's what it is. So we watched the bit. And the bit's great. It's, you know, he loves he loves everything. He's a good guy. Chuck uh, Palahniuk is with him. Yeah. Uh, doing the show. And, and then they go to. Cool. Like he yeah, he was a cool yeah, guy. Did, there was no muss, no fuss. One camera guy yes. who did the sound and the whole deal. But anyway. So, well, they come back from commercial and we're done. We figure, you know, we've done that, you know, now, 15 years later, we've done that show, you know, that kind of show hundreds of times. And it's always a seven minute bit always a segment of it. That's the exact thing that you do. And they come, you know, we still were kind of green on that, but they come back from commercial. We figure our thing was done and he wakes up and there's a bacon maple bar over his head and he has to, I've got to have another one of these things. <laughs> and he comes down to the shop and it, that's the point where we were still closed on Sundays. That was the one day that we had to, to, clean, to try and clean our, and our catch up janitor. and sleep. And uh, and he screamed to the heavens, no, I want a bacon maple bar. And that was where we just, we called each other immediately. Like, uh, we we got to go 24-7. Go yeah. And, it, you know, and, and it was the, the, our, our angst about it wasn't, wasn't that we didn't need to do it. It was just, you know, how do we, I just figured out how to run 12 hours a day and I'm exhausted. How are we going to do it? And we pushed through. And it was one of the smartest things to do at the time. We not only, you know, not only doubled our hours, but we doubled our, our income, our business. Yeah. And, we and had that's when help it went really. Too. I mean, at that yeah. point, we did have some awesome employees that were able to sort of spell us and, and help, help, you know, production and things along with some, with compute, you know, <laughs> lobsters, amazing how many donuts to make on certain days was, was pretty He had an algorithm that actually planned everything out while nice. we had wholesale and that was good. And that was, and people then like, why, you know, oh my God, you're open 24 hours, which to me, I I mean, a donut shop, I always thought they were open 24 hours (laughs) and they think it's some weird thing, but if you're up all night making product, why not keep the door? Why not try, you know, if you can, you know, just from a business point of view, if you can pay for the people working at night 
through the night sales, you've just paid for all your labor for everything you sell in the morning. So, Absolutely. So if our thing was as long as there's enough people there just for security, never never leave one person there. But if you got enough people there, sell, sell, sell. I mean, at least try and at least try and cover cover expenses. And that first shop was just seven hundred and fifty square feet. So yeah. we did have that little takeout window. So we could lock the door and we could sell out the window, which for security purposes and just for, for for good times. Oh, but when we when we actually would close, and so Trace and I would have worked. By then, we were at a solid eighteen to twenty hours. It's three o'clock in the morning. We'd we the bars would cut off. You'd have that little rush at the end, mm-hmm. and then you'd desperately try and close. And you know, I just want to go home. At that point, I had a baby at home, like oh. six months old and stuff. And then like I'm just trying to get out of there. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> I know you're in there. I know you're in there. Sell me a donut. And she's like, I just want to go home. And then that solved, you know, going 24 hours kind of solved that. It opens up a whole new uh, can of worms, too, but a good can of worms to open. A good can of worms. And then you expanded that location. We first moved to Davis. Right. Yeah, we opened In our second 2008. one first. 2008. 2008. Yep. Five years to the minute was that it we really? opened yeah. at Voodoo One. You Tom know, Potter was there. Mayor Potter uh, uh, was part of the parade. We had a marching band. We From had one to the other. Right. That's right. Purses. Uh, we had a bake mark truck, 18-wheel <laughs> right. truck. We had, we had uh, Courtney girls. from Courtney from the Dandy Whirls. It was in Jim Atwood's convertible. Nice. And we sc- took a scoop of grease from Voodoo One and put it in a casket and put it in our three-wheel motorcycle that led the parade. And we marched all the way up to two and cut a ribbon and, and deemed it open. And the secret the secret contracts, we, Tom Potter being an ex-police chief, he put the handcuffs on our goon, young Tom, who had sunglasses <laughs> on, and he marched with like all of our secret papers. Oh, that's hilarious. And there was a thousand people in that parade, I think. I you know, yeah, not really I exaggerating. Think, yeah, it was I think crazy that was an honest, an honest, like a thousand people. We it had was police so escort, much we arranged fun. it. And, then we were definitely popular, but we were able to finagle it by not taking the main street. We had to cross the Burnside Bridge. We right. couldn't get around. No. We had to cross a bridge. But then after that, they kind of tucked us over to Cooch and Davis, and we marched up we there. marched up there, and it was super fun. And we cut the ribbon right at the moment and dumped the grease in, and now we had two locations. And the rest is history. Yeah, there. Yeah. That's the one I usually go to now because I parking, love Parking, parking, parking. Parking, parking. We, we like to say that's the, the shop for locals. That's the It one. really is. You know, and I know people assume that only tourists are downtown but they're still a true portlander knows when to go to the, down, the downtown shop yes. you know it's not giant line all the time you know you get there early in the morning and stuff like that there's plenty of opportunities to uh to to get in there summers that, summers are hard that's when we're busy that's but, when we're busy you know we can't apologize for being busy no we, that's we work as hard as we can for. and if we you know we make them as fast as we can and if you made them you know if you've tried to switch up that way then you're just selling old stuff yeah and we, we really we make donuts three times a day so one of our one of our pet peeves is if people complain about stale donuts because they, they just aren't because yeah. i mean maybe there are if you got them from somebody's house that maybe bought them two days ago i mean but if getting them from the shop um we do have sometimes struggles with the cereal toppings sometimes get a little mushier than crisp because they just that's it but that's the donut sure. itself, we get a stale complaint Almost yeah. always, it's the cereal, and people's like, "Why would you even do it if it gets that bad?" Because people love them. Because people love and them. And we try and we try and only decorate as uh, frequently as we can, so that we right. don't we don't just make a thousand of them and let them sit because they go bad. But we we essentially decorate them tray by tray, so that they can stay as fresh as possible, and 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 making them three times a day. Yeah, so, and they're when they're perfect, they're perfect. They're perfect. And when and the cameras love them anyway. That's one reason that kind of stuck around in the early days. Because the camera, that's all they want to take a picture of right. is the, the, the cereal donuts, the M&Ms and stuff, because they're so colorful and neat. Yeah. You came up with the maple bacon. Is that right? I will, we'll, we'll share credit on that. You'll I showed credit. up with a, I showed up with a pack of bacon because, again, we were living at that place. I spent right. more time there than at home with my family. And, and so when we go shopping, that was kind of where we would be creative, just look around and, you know, see what we can and get. And we're usually exhausted, too. It would be like <laughs> that 9 in the morning, and we're just at cash and carry going, oh, my God, let's buy some cereal or something, you know. And then, and it wasn't, for me, it wasn't, oh, I'm buying this bacon to go in and no. do it. I made, I was, I wanted a bacon sandwich, you know, or just some food. And you buy a pound of bacon after a bacon sandwich, you're like, okay, I think we I had a large discussion about which way the bacon goes. I think that yes. was, I think that was my point. I was like, it has to be like this way, not horizontal. It needs to be vertical. <laughs> so I think we discussed that and whether it's one strip or tear, take 
two strips or tear one in half and like so i think that was kind of where i really came in with the with the where the bacon went but cat daddy is the one who did bring the bacon and the bacon maple bar we suggest two bms a day so that discussion and that moment is exactly how it's been and since then yeah it's we haven't changed at all it's always the same size it's always one strip it's always at that angle it's the way it's supposed to be and why mess with that magic and it it was funny too because we would at first uh, we only did them on weekends, uh-huh. and it, the, for the first month, we'd buy one pack of bacon, 16 strips. Right. When those 16 donuts we were, were gone, we were out. Wow. And, uh, and then as time went over. And then Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain <laughs> came and had one. Then at that point, the big sign came up in the back, never, ever run out of bacon <laughs> maple bars. And it's still, you know, pretty much our number one donut. I was going to ask, is that the number one? Yes. That, and the voodoo donut has been coming on strong yeah in some of the other locations and that's great because that is kind of our you know namesake and sort of our our classic donut that that's we're all about and that that sells really well in denver and at the universal uh, location so my sister bought that a couple of years ago it had a pretzel in the right hip and then less than a year later she had her hip replaced oh so she's feeling a little um there's, worried about the there's, next there's that she there's buys. the mojo uh involved in the action <laughs> right. but you know it's the it's 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 the the person who casts the spell not the <laughs> exactly people who prepare the spell that, exactly that need to accept responsibility there was a great time when we had to keep educating our oh some of our employees that were just kind of funny and they just love to put the pretzel right where like the penis would be so right. i'm <laughs> I, I don't put it there <laughs> Put it up closer, you know, even in a hip, you know, so maybe that was part of the deal, but just, you don't want to just have them all with. It was, it was funny once, but when the, when the office of lawyers opens up to a 12 penis salute. Right. Right. (laughs) Not so much. And we had to That's funny on Friday night after a punk rock concert. Exactly. Not not for the fancy business order at eight (laughs) o'clock on Monday morning. Some of the other ideas that you guys came up with, were they as accidental as the maple bacon? Yes, sort of. I mean, again, a lot of it was just when we discovered, I think there was always this wave of kind of, we discovered cereal maybe first. So it was like, wow, let's get cereal. So we got um, Cocoa Puffs and Fruit Loops and again, off brands of those. And then um, the other one we do. The Smooth Move. Oh yeah, that was, yeah, that was that was you know well why not raisin bran and prune filling in the smooth move that's that's funny that's great yeah, but it just didn't sell that one doesn't sell and then like so <laughs> they we laugh fa- about it but uh-huh. they don't buy it we found cereal so there was that kind of wave and then shortly after that we discovered like the cotton candy powders and they come in this perfect little carton that's all really easy to store and everything so there was like pink and grape and just different colors of that and so there was that wave of like we discovered powders so then like tang fastics and neapolitans right. maybe we found that first and then the cereal tang, yeah we did tang I think we and did neapolitan tang fastic first really fast because those were more uh, but those were quick drink mixes. quick and drink mixes and then we found the cotton candy came after that so kind of that was a whole very um heady time in voodoo donut <laughs> lore when we discovered the powders and the cereals and bacon kind of in there as well mm-hmm. But then, you know, experimenting, then we kind of did get, you know, over our skis sometimes and we're in the produce section looking at lettuces and tomatoes and, you know, I don't know, just like you start, start to get you start to get a little too, too many choices is, right. is something we've struggled with in the past and, you know, even to this day. A lot. And we even like came up with some neat ideas for stuff to make on the spot. Buttermilk wrapped Snickers bar that was deep fried delicious but even i mean this was before the line became lore right there wouldn't be a line and someone would come in and they'd like oh that looks great i want that and like it'll be three minutes and they're like no i want that and we had to fry it in a different fryer yeah yeah you had to do separate stuff and it was just that people wanted it stuff immediately Mm -hmm. so we tried the donut wrapped monte cristo too you know it's like a that's exactly what a Monte Cristo is. It's a deep fried sandwich, and use the so donut, good. ham and cheese, and do the whole deal. And, and it was—you'd hand them out fresh, and sugar. people would love them. But then right. somebody would order five one, minutes. and it's like, oh, that'll be three, three to five minutes. Oh, I'll just take the bacon maple bar. So yeah. those those are certain. That's more They're logistic. Still kind of in the back burner for sure. I think those ideas could come back if we had a shop that was more conducive to like dining, like sitting down and maybe mm-hmm. having a you know having a server come and actually right. take your order and being more of a kind of a donut restaurant. But we've sort of shied away from that because that just is a whole other, why heck, why screw with a successful formula? Exactly. So, so we haven't really thought about a sit-down version of 
of Voodoo Donut yet, but I think those ideas that Cat Daddy just hit on there, I think that those could take off if you knew you were sitting down and you could order a Monte Cristo donut sandwich or order a Snickers bar that's wrapped in buttermilk filling yum or buttermilk dough. So. We did seating once. We did it for uh, for Valentine's. Yes, I have. We set up. Yeah, we we sold tickets <clears throat> and set up tables, and you get. You had an actual menu that was just for, and this was when we had the 750 foot shop. All right. <laughs> there were two tables downstairs and one upstairs above the bathroom. Damn, it was a silly idea, and we sold the tickets, but it was. It was kind of good. Yeah, it, yeah, we were, I mean, nowadays it'd be like, you you stopped the line for what? <laughs> for, for $62? What? That was part of our earlier mantra of if we're going to be working these crazy 20 hour days, let's fun. have some fun. Let's make Absolutely. it silly. That's, I mean, that was half of our shtick was just like, I've been here for 18 hours. What are we going to do? Uh, let's go. Let's close for 15 minutes and say gone fishing and put a fishing pole in a beer bong out front <laughs> doing beer bongs and, and just silly stuff like that. That was just to keep he and I sane from, from being there all, all the, time. the time. We had to, we had to break it up a little bit. A hundred varieties. You talked about how many donuts and 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 struggling with that. Do you guys have? A, is that a hunt? Right, a hundred varieties that I ran. Uh, not not currently. But yes, we at no, some point exactly. we're yeah we've kind of pared down, pared it down just because it made people mad. They're just like too many selections. Oh, yeah. and the spinning cases. And now it's more of an efficiency thing, production and stuff like that. And we actually have to think more about the back of the house now. I mean, if there's four steps to a donut. That's that. That's a lot of steps, that's a lot you know. Of steps. And if you're going to sell something for X, you know, how many did you people account can for that? Crumble Nilla wafers, you know. I mean, you right. gotta. There's all sorts of. Well, and the that, kitchen can only be so big. Correct. I mean, if yes. you've got all those different toppings, how are you going to fit everybody in there and get? And having done? a topping for one month, right, is great, but it also it's it's logistical, and your that one item is taking up space for a month. You have to train. At this point, 200 plus people to do this donut. And so now we have to be, just be a lot more thoughtful about it and consider all the angles. Right. Uh, it's it's grown up a lot more from, hey, that's pretty funny. Let's <laughs> right. put that in the case. Right. And and we still do that, but it just has to be a lot more thought out. Uh, a lot more thought out. And, yeah. you know, there's actual uh, Who knew how hard it was to get grape Kool-Aid, for heaven's sake? That is my favorite one. Oh boy! Isn't that crazy? Well, if you try to get if it's out, it's probably because we're, we've, we're we've scoured it. the town <laughs> yeah, and bought we've got, everything. We've got it's whole, hard to get. We've got whole like safe. It's easy full of to it. get a can of grape Kool Aid. Mm. Try and buy a pallet for some you know, reason. People, it's impossible. Yeah, people want to hold on. They only want to sell you the can because yeah. that's the good markup. And just we've tried. I've tried everything so to go hard. straight to Kool Aid. Like, can yeah. we buy a pallet of grape? Just you walk have to talk their, to our distributors. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk so. through their door and the big Kool-Aid. Hey, Kool-Aid. Yeah, yes, that's exactly. We yeah. Um, We're taking this. So you're on the East Coast now. Seventh store opening in Orlando. That was a couple months yeah, ago. Yeah, May 1st we cut the oh, ribbon. A couple weeks ago, yeah. 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 They that were open must a have been exciting. Longer. It really was. It was. I mean, that's, a, that's, that's, you know, that's like going to the moon from, from Oregon. We planted a flag about as far as we possibly yes. could. From anywhere from, exactly. from Portland, Oregon. And that's just kind of a follow-up from our, our deal in Hollywood. And it's just a great opportunity. I mean, we are we are trying to grow. And if Universal, in my mind, if it's half as successful as they think it's right. going to be, right. that's a great indicator of uh, if we can make a march across the Mississippi River and start trying to open some stores there. And it's great because we're on the city walk, too, so you don't have to pay money to get into the park so anybody can go so you know if you want to go take somebody on a date to the universal city walk you can go to voodoo donut not have to pay the money to go into the park which is kind of cool they've been blown away so good i mean it it makes sense voodoo is internationally known i mean you see i see tourists from all over the world coming Walking out with the pink Isn't boxes. that a beautiful thing? It's, it, you know, that's got to make you guys feel good, though. It does. It I does. Mean, it does. That I mean, I'm sure a lot of Portlanders will roll their eyes about, you know, my family's in town, take me to voodoo. But, you know, we, we put a flag in Portland that we're proud of, and we're still really proud Portlanders. Yeah. And We try to bring a little bit of Portland. people from all over the world to, to come to our city. And, yeah, they come to voodoo, but they're coming here for everything else, too. They're Absolutely. Gonna, they're going to not just have a pink box that they – Instagram, they're going to get to see all the cool things and, you know, hopefully it'll rain a little bit on them so they, they realize it's <laughs> they not, don't stay. It's not yeah, pretty exactly. here all the time. <laughs> all right. uh, they visit, but they don't stay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's a new bubble too, man. Is that, that's, we're on our, 
you and I's second right. or third growth spurt here in this yeah. town since we've been here. And and it's crazy. I mean, there's so many cranes. It's it's a whole different Sorry, town, even just from when we bird. Opened. It really is. It really is. And, it, you know, it's good. It's good. And yet it has its drawbacks as well. But that's a whole Oh, we can sit here and just whine and moan yes, about the olden days. Part four uh, of you know? the new Portland <laughs> discussion. Exactly. <laughs> Coming you, up next. You have to evolve in order to be successful, whether you're a city, whether you're a radio station, or whether you're a, a donut shop. Right, yeah. I mean, honestly. Oh, yeah. And so if we as King stayed the same the whole time, we would not be here. Same with Portland, same with Voodoo, which of course leads me to, you know, the next phase for you guys. You're listening to King's Portland 50 series. I'll continue my conversation with Trace, Shannon, and Cat Daddy in a moment, but I wanted to thank our sponsor. The Portland 50 series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. Now back to my conversation with Trace Shannon and Cat Daddy, who started Voodoo Donuts in 2003 in downtown Portland. They're known for their creative donuts, like the now infamous Maple Bacon Donut, and operate seven stores and one food cart. And of course, the world knows that good things come in pink boxes. You have a venture capitalist and you have a new CEO, and you said something interesting. Uh, cat daddy that I wrote down um, you said Chris Chris Schultz is the new CEO you said he has experience to realize a dream of a culture driven business what do you mean by that well uh, that could be twofold yeah. uh, not just the culture of voodoo right uh, we have been an outlier I mean, Trace and I ran that business not like a lot like uh, every other business mm-hmm. Uh, there's the outside nature of that, mm-hmm. uh, the odd culture, the kooky nature. You know, I mean, it's it's hard to put a finger on that and write the book right. on on all of that weird side of the culture. And for Trace and I, a lot of it is the culture of inside the business mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, as as kooky as we were and stuff, we really wanted to bring everybody along with us. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just about hiring people to do the work for us. It was bringing, you know, trying to bring everyone we could along. Uh, and it wasn't always perfect that way. But. To, to make sure that in this deal that uh, that our people are part of the part of the game plan too right and we really want that culture we you know we up until Chris we'd hired two people outside the company wow. uh, that were more professionals the account, you know, right. doing and the, yeah, HR the account and the HR person and everyone else was from inside and in order to grow that's we still want to encourage that but that's not going to be the only case anymore right. in order to, to to do these type of things we're going to have to but we still want the opportunity for our people all you know we're we've always you know we've we've claimed we're the island of misfit donut toys you know as far as as far as our culture and uh the fact that we had you know when we had 10 people working for us we were amazed when we got up to 200 just watching our people develop with us and yeah we're you know we're cut data and trace and we're growing and we're doing all this crazy stuff but the people working for us uh got settled they got they married houses. they bought houses kids. they had kids and stuff and that's you know that's that's because they they found a they found a home with us that right. they could do stuff with and, and we some of our to, people have been with us 10 11 years now yeah and, and you know no more no uh, no situation is perfect like that no. and that's changing too but it should change for the better and that right. they should still be able to grow with us in, through this thing and there'll be a lot more new opportunity for them because as we've said oh yes there's lots of opportunity lots of opportunity Trace and I managed to open five of these things solo and so that opportunity wasn't as fast as probably our mouths were speaking. Uh, and as we gear up for this this growth spurt, we are going to be able to offer that opportunity to them. Well, so. you want to grow smart. Yes. And yes. Y- you've got business background and you've grown this business to, as we mentioned, international recognition. But at some point, if you want to keep growing, you know, having those outside people. And um, Chris Schultz, you know, he comes from Mod Pizza and Starbucks. So... He's worked with those types of businesses that have started off small, but then start to get bigger and bigger. And I think some old Portland uh, mentality is sort of to, talking to the Widmer brothers about this, snub their noses at success, but success is okay and success is good and you're employing people and they're growing with you. And so, yes, 
I it, mean, is that is that also kind of a Portland thing to th- and that's just, what we were to, talking to once, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, geez, we're dragging an old Portlandia sketch through the mud, right. but the, the it's over thing, right? Is that actually? I mean, I mean, we felt it a little bit too. The whole that whole mantra of thing, and yeah, I see that, you know, and and that's also the target on yeah. your back. Absolutely. The bigger you get, the bigger the target is, and yeah. you know, the bigger you get, more somebody wants to take you down, and they begrudge you for that. But at the end of the day, why? Because that's the big question. That's yeah, the big question. you know, because it, it, it's, it's cool, or because you just, really feel that way, right? Yeah. And it's nice to be able to celebrate the successes of the Widmer Brothers, of the Voodoo Donuts, of the Salt and Straws, of these people who started these businesses from nothing and built it up. <laughs> literally, yeah, literally right. nothing. Right, and and that's what doing this podcast. I've spoken to the to so many people who started at ground zero and worked their way up to become such an integral part of. Portland and it's neat to see it's neat to hear the stories it's neat to celebrate the successes and so no I mean fantastic you bring in these people so that you can grow so that you can employ more people and and we have done it in a very gritty area of town and we haven't you know and we're non-apologetic about that I mean that's what that's how we started that's still who we are we're still there I mean we're we haven't gone anywhere we're not going anywhere and we've been there through many changes in the 15 years of just that area. And I can go on and on about that, I already have, but um, it's just fascinating to see like what sort of people are down there on a you know Friday afternoon or Monday morning or Saturday night now. And it's not just a bunch of skid row, people selling you Chiva, Coca, you know, kind of thing going on. It's, you know, an internationally bazaar of people now. And, um, and people taking pictures of the boxes and the sign and the line and the whole deal. And, you know, we, we go, we work the line every day and people from all over the world. And there are people from Portland there still. And I, we, of course, started out to have success and this is going to be great and it's going to be busy. But we didn't start out to like, let's make this the top tourist attraction right. in Portland, Oregon. And with that happening, I mean, that's just awesome. I mean, it's great for us, obviously, for business. It's great for the tourists, hopefully, who are coming. And it's obviously awesome for the city and the neighbors around there and the whole deal that a simple donut shop with these iconic pink boxes can be such a splash in Portland, Oregon. And we're proud of it. And as we've said before, it's like, as we've grown, we always try to bring a bit of Portland in all the shops, whether it's a stolen street sign that's in Denver, (laughs) Colorado, or a borrowed street sign, or just you know, pictures of Elvis or just things that are kind of Portlandy that sort of sneak their way into the shops. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we have artists from Portland. Miss Mona does all of our duct tape murals. She's in all of our shops, including the Universal shops. Dennis Adler does our pink boxes. He's a Portland artist, lived here his whole life. He's um, been a Reader's Digest artist readers, since the 70s. You know, Very we've serious. got a black velvet painter, painter who do, to do all of our black velvet paintings Juanita. from Portland, Oregon. Hopefully, you know, moving forward with our new investors and things, they say that that's important to the to the growth and to the, you know continuing on and onward and upward. So, hopefully, we can continue to bring all of these artists and Portlander people who are kind of old Portland people. You right. know, Dennis Adler's so old school. I mean, he's actually really old. You know, <laughs> he's not old school Portland. He's just an old guy. And but you know, Mike King did our logo. You know, he now lives in New York, but he's a pretty Portland he's, guy as well. Yeah, he did a gazillion rock posters. Uh, yeah. it's, as as you go on, and you know, as, as Kink knows too, as your history goes on, the stories just become just that much more lore and and you know, gossip. But you know, you actually know like where you guys came from, and, yeah. and it's just I don't know, it's interesting. I noticed something else that you guys do every month. You have a specialty donut. And you then give proceeds to uh, different organizations. It's Project Lemonade for the month of May, but you've done Dining Out for Life this year, Portland Gay Men's Choir, uh, United Cerebral Palsy, and Bark for Mount Hood. How do you decide who gets to be the beneficiary? That's a great question. Yeah, there's we've had this program for a couple years, and we figured that we the day we opened was the day we understood that we can give back because yeah. that was the first day. It's like, well, what are you doing with your leftovers? Yeah. And that just started our philosophy of, you know, trying to give back. And the donut of the month is great for so many reasons. First, we get to help somebody out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is since we have pulled back on so many donuts, um, the one reason people love to work for us is they want to be creative. So that does give our donut tiers 
an opportunity to make, create a donut. So essentially, we just get so many requests that we kind of narrow them down and pick one and try and you know try and work with the people and and they get some talk you know they talk about the donut. There's certain ones where we have just kind of taken over a donut that we've had and do it. But then with certain ones like Project Lemonade, that's a that's a no brainer. That's right. got to be some sort of lemon donut. And yeah. so we kind of work around the theme of their charity to to come up with something. The one where I I think we're both super proud of is the one in Eugene where we did the we helped keep the Ken Kesey papers in the University of Oregon's library as opposed to going to Texas okay. or to California. And they approached us and I think they thought we were going to write them some check for millions of dollars. And we're like, uh, no, we can't quite do that. But, you know, we just have a tiny shop in Eugene. They approached us and so we kind of came up with this donut, the, what's the, the easy, easy peasy, peasy lemon Kesey. Nice. And we used it at, at all of the shops to kind of help, but we were able to give them like a, I think a $10,000 check, an extra large tie-dye uh, check. It certainly didn't, $10,000 didn't save the papers, but it got enough attention attention that yeah. the, the president of the school said, yep, they're going to stay here. And so they went ahead and put up the money to make sure they, they're kept rightfully in Oregon. Right. And um, so now, yes, they're kept now. Now they're still fundraising, fundraising to, uh, to keep, the collect. I mean, you got to keep that at the acid-free rooms right. at a certain temperature. So now it's the do. continual preservation but it was, of the papers. It's so far out to go. I mean, we were able to see, and, and anybody can. It's at the library, but you can go see all of his letters. You know, when he was in Mexico, hiding out, and the original draft of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's. You know, just amazing stuff. We just saw just a thumbnail of it, but it just, I don't know. That was a neat one, and it, it, in Fort Oregon too. It was kind mm-hmm. of a wouldn't really call it a charity as much as just a cool thing that we were able to do yeah, yeah. Well, it's just a nice it's a nice way that we can do something like that to right. to come up with a with something and that's kind of what we approach people like he was saying when people see us getting involved they think we're going to write a million dollar check as as much as our big fat heads you know and and being internationally known and and our fame and all that kind of stuff we're still, a, you know, at this point, a donut chain with seven locations. So right. million-dollar checks just ain't going to happen. But we tried to explain to them. It was like, well, we're going to give you a little check, but hopefully we're going to triple that in publicity right? Uh, by getting the name out a little more and, you know, barring off our cool factor and, and stuff. And Voodoo has a whole lot of followers on all Absolutely. of those social media uh, avenues. So. Absolutely. What are, the, what are the organizations that are near and dear to your hearts? Uh, open Hearts, Open Minds yeah. is mm-hmm. one that we've worked with for a really long time. It's a prison dialogue group. Uh, I like the Pongo Fund a lot. We oh, did something yeah. for them. I'm a big fan of animals, as we all are, I hope. And uh, the Pongo Fund, I think, doing great work. And yep. I was pleased to help. I'm t- Project Lemonade is a friend of ours. Lindsay's just awesome. I don't know if you know Lindsay, but mm-hmm. she's one of the directors of Project Lemonade. And you get her involved in a project and you're involved. What they do, too, is fantastic. A lot of people out there need help and need money and need things for all sorts of reasons. But so it is kind of, it's hard to sometimes make choices. But yeah. I think, I think anytime you talk about animals, autism and kids and animals, pick, yeah, kids and animals yeah. and throw, throw a ball a at something of, else. Uh, women's rights, reproductive yeah. rights. We've done a lot of help with Planned Parenthood over the time too. Nice. We stick with the good ones. You mentioned all the followers on social media. You don't do any advertising. You're all word of mouth. That's a pretty cool way to build a business. We can't say that we're completely well, that completely, way now. When we started, but, but we yeah. started, it was it High was, it was a necessity. Yearbooks. Right. It was a necessity. It was you know we scraped this sucker together, and but we were also Trace more so than I, public people and on stage a lot. Yeah. Uh, he was in his all the bands, and you know even even if he wasn't in a band, blah, blah, right blah, before blah, that blah. you were well <laughs> you were you were done with Robati, so you probably weren't up there talking at Robati's between acts. But then and I was announcing wrestling and doing bar game shows and stuff. But so. there is that whole you know when you need advertising you can't afford it, and when you can afford it you don't need it. You right. Know? And that's right. kind of what happened to us. I mean, when we could afford it, it was like forty dollars to the Grant High School yearbook thing at the end of the year I mean we really did kind of do some funny advertising that way and what happened with us is it just came to us I mean we had all of the radio stations those that was a huge thing it all like the drive you know the the Hal and Charlie I'm totally dating myself there Denver um, but the morning jocks there was a joke that went out on the AP which I kept thinking was a ticker tape thing but I don't think it is anymore <laughs> not but, anymore but I was just like tick, tick, in this thing and we made this caffeinated donut and then Jay Leno mentioned uh, like there's a donut shop in Portland Oregon that you know you can have a heart attack and eat it some <laughs> joke that Jay Leno made 
which then went out on the AP, which then there was the a wire. time. The wire. The wire. And it just went out, and we were, that's when we were working 18 hours and all of that, and this was early on in the day, and then we were just bombarded by requests to be interviewed by these guys, but it would be on the East Coast, so they would call us at 3 in the morning, our time, you know, are you Apologizing. guys going to be up? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but this is a 3 was like, oh, we're, we're working up. graveyard, yeah. dude, we're there, no problem. But we, there was a time for about a month where, I mean, I just remember, because Cat Daddy and I, when we split up, I'm always like, what do we got going, I mean, I still do it today, what do we got going tomorrow, what do we got going tomorrow, and we just kind of, you know, sync our calendars up, and... um and it's like I'll take Buffalo, Orlando, you know, Cleveland, and you take New York and L.A. and Seattle or whatever these towns were. And I always wonder, like, I mean, there was a lot of them. I mean, you know, I'd say 30 interviews, maybe more. What happened to all those people that listened in Buffalo? Did they ever come to Portland and come to Voodoo because they heard? And that, back was, in, that was first three months. Yeah, it was like that was early on. That was, that was so. And that was non-paid advertising, obviously. Right. And we, boy, I got hung up on a cup because you know we were we were tired, and so I would like say cock and balls, <laughs> and then forget that we're on a radio. Or uh, two minutes in on one of them, I realized you know. that I was on a very, uh, very right-leaning thing, and then I, he was just really, really starting to <laughs> grill me for things, and so yeah, that was where I kind of got a little uh-huh. short and stuff. But, but but you know, it was ultimately you know at that point. All press is good press. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'd love there. to hear some of those old things because, I mean, I'd be sitting at, um, God, that terrible Mexican restaurant there, Javier's, at like 6 in the morning giving interviews at this corner table because I just had to give six interviews before I went to bed. God, I wonder how those all, like, what happened to all of those? <laughs> they just were kind of out there. And, the, you know, those morning jocks are all, you know, I can't do it. I'm at Kink Radio here. You guys, you guys have some pretty good ones now in the morning. But they're so you know fired up and you know we're like uh yeah we've been working all night but we we can turn it on when we need to so. combine that with just our our product is easy to talk about so yeah. and it's fun. once we could start making them we were walking around with them too. they're yeah. cheap and they're like would, boxes of would, flowers yeah you know, people you walk in with that box and people smile you know, absolutely just like flowers anywhere we went yeah. today and today it still bites us in the bites us in the ass every night because no matter where we are in the world, where are the donuts? Where are the donuts? You didn't bring. You didn't bring me donuts. I like, wish yeah, I could yeah. just do this. Yeah, I wish we could just just pop them out, release really them out of but, my arm. And you know, hey, you can't complain because no. you know, as long as they're feeling the mojo, we're That's we're still exactly rocking. Right. Next steps. I mean, you've got the seven stores. Seven and a half. Don't seven forget a, about the cart out our there. Our big cart at Cart Lane. A little half. Forgot pint. about the cart. Seven and a half. You've brought on a new CEO. There's got to be discussions on how you want to grow. I'm guessing you two want to be pretty methodical about it. What are you thinking? Share it with me, please. Hmm. Yeah, that's what are we thinking? <laughs> you know, well, we're also being secretive too, because you know, corporate secrets and stuff. Exactly. But I think right now we're we're focusing on the model we want to jump. Mm-hmm. You know, and sort of fine tuning and stuff. And markets that were. Maybe, you know, uh, we are very popular in Denver, and I bet we could maybe put another one in Denver. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, we have one in Austin, and it's kind of all by its little self over there. So maybe something that can support Austin, whether it's in Houston or San Antonio or Dallas or something like that. And let's not forget our home, our home region. That's so true. Uh, and, there's plenty of room here, although, you know, there's, there's too close to each other. But some of the outlying areas would be probably very smart to put something out. And then, then there's that... Uh, that stepbrother to the north uh, that we might need, to, big, need to land in. Uh, they uh, can make the drive. At yeah. first, at first we were, yeah, we were, where there was top pot up there. And, uh, and behind they, you. they started putting ads in the Mercury down here. And so we answered back by putting the same ad, except with our logo and, and the their stranger. Mercury yeah. and the stranger up there. And that kind of pronounced, uh, don't come here, we won't come there. Yeah, the Dallas Wars war. never really occurred. Uh, yeah, oh, we, man, I still love the idea we were going to, when they opened, we were going to sandbag the building and make all the employees wear uh, army, army helmets. Because the Donut Wars would have begun. <laughs> Oasis versus Blur. And yeah, that it didn't scare us at all, because that would, I mean, they would have come and made their mark, but we would have gotten so much marketing out of that. Absolutely. Well, now out of sandbagging the building. <laughs> and, with all the, and with all the donut shops that have opened up in our wake, um, you know, we're still very, all donuts are good donuts. You all know, donuts I mean, that's good. instead of, you know, our donuts are the, I mean, our donuts are what we do and mm-hmm. we do it the best we possibly can. Other donut shops do the ways that they do them. When we opened up, part of the reason we opened up in downtown Portland is in all of our research, we could never find that there had ever been a donut shop in downtown Portland, yeah. ever. 
And so we, I think, are the first donut shop ever in downtown Portland. And now there's six of them in downtown Portland, maybe. I mean, there's a Coco's and there's a Blue Star and there's maybe a couple of Coco's and there's, mm-hmm. I guess, across the river, there's Double D. But yeah, they're, they're, there's donut shops everywhere now, just local donut right. shops, let alone coming down from Seattle. So. We, yeah, and there's we're we're just happy to celebrate donuts right. and celebrate our donuts as opposed to going out and and telling everybody else about other people's donuts. We're just here to to run our little circus and and hopefully you come and have some fun with us and enjoy our product and uh, and go away with a smile on your face. Well, I heard you both say different times, uh, different interviews that it's the best job ever. You yeah. still feel that way fifteen years later. Yeah, That's you know, it definitely feeling. has different challenges, but right. I would still say it's the best job ever. I mean, again, I, I haven't had a job really for this long ever, I think. So, so I think, I've, yeah, I'm, I think I held, I've worked in theaters for over a decade growing up, but that was different theaters. This is right. the, it's the first, but the longest job I've ever had with yeah. one, one specific uh, journey. And he, Cat Daddy and I, I mean, it's one of those things that I think, all books say don't go into business with you know your family or your friends. We you know? would support that, and I would still say that. But he and I have, uh, I think, we're better friends than we were even when we were pretty great friends when we started. It wasn't like that was even a question. But I mean, even now, like, we're better friends now, and we still disagree on things, but we never fight. And if we do fight about something, it's just to get to the other side right. and try to. And we play devil's advocate back and forth. That's and, how we could really retire is actually try to make 300 pages of how that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Going into business with someone. How do you make is, that work? Is, you know, it's the hardest marriage you're ever going to have. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, could be even harder than your real marriage. Right. Uh, and he and I figured it out. And I, I think a lot of the ways is we, we do have different angles of looking at it, but we also have the sensibility to talk about it, discuss it. Right. When we bicker, we're not bickering at each other. We're bickering to get to a point. Right. That's a good and, marriage. And to, to get, to get an answer as opposed to I have to be right or you have to be right. It's it, the situation needs to be right. And that's, yeah. that's, that's our ultimate goal is to make the situation right. And for me, it took a little, I mean, it wasn't hard cause I just love cat daddy so much, but you know, to defer sometimes it wasn't really in my nature and some of my other um, projects, you know, I like to be the top dog sometime, but you know, sometimes you got to listen and just realize like, you know, cat daddy, I think he's probably right about this one. And uh, a lot of, I think a lot of things, I mean, we, we take, credit for this or that or something but I think it's just how to be able to work together and you know again get to the proper point um, at the end of the day so and that does get more challenging as you get bigger and you get that target on your back and yeah. things. so that is definitely something that we've talked about and but we are I mean I just need to say too we are part of the advertising <laughs> I love how we get donuts like to bands that's like the greatest thing because partially we have this rock and roll background i mean me a little more but cat daddy certainly likes rock and roll music and likes getting backstage as much as the next guy and um it's just been a great way for to spread the brand too because if you know the chris noble check i can never say Mm -hmm. his name puts a sticker on his bass guitar or something that just spreads the word you know and People, you know, Fleetwood Mac demands donuts while they're in town. And Pink just, you know, hired the Pink van to be at the deal. And, you know, the Kiss guys and all that kind of stuff. And just Katy Perry. Katy Perry, Katy Perry said, Perry. I love Voodoo Donuts. I want Adele, to move to Portland. Adele, said, Adele, I mean, Adele mentioned it. Yeah. Weird Al Yankovic. I mean, it's just crazy. And, you know, and that for us, too. I love, you know, I love music. So it's so cool that we're able to just get these, you know, for really – you know, a, not much money or, you know, not much advertising to just get something. And if we can make like a special donut for them, you know, who knows what John McVie thinks of Voodoo Donut. But from what I understand, he really likes Voodoo Donut. So. It's organic too, so, you know. Very which organic, is, yeah, I mean, which that, is what we like. That's that's our style. That's yeah. what built us. Uh, it still works. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a bigger game now. So there's other things needed in there. But that's that's at the heart of yeah. Trace and I's marketing is is organic stuff like that. There was one other thing that I really love, and and those are the specialty donuts. You talked earlier about your artisans making these donuts and coming up with really creative things. The Prince one, when he passed away, that- They're just incredible. That was huge. And I think with that one, you did make a, a lot to sell. Some of them are just sort of one-offs, like uh, when Margot Kidder passed away, and then mm-hmm. there was one for Barbara Bush and Stephen Hawking and Avicii. Do you want to explain the tribute donuts? Yeah. Yes. How'd well, the uh, first tribute donut we did, 
it was a while back. I was still working, of course. I'm being from Memphis, Tennessee. I'm a big, big star fan. And Alex Chilton passed away. Mm-hmm. I was alone at work. It was, I was sad. One of my, one of here, I'd seen this guy play 50 times. Uh, not as big. I never saw him as big star, but saw him as Alex Chilton, just playing at my local pub growing up and stuff. And I was really. It made me sad. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to do something. So all I did was uh, I made a, a star donut and wrote big star on it and put a placard in there that said RIP Alex Chilton and just and I had an electric candle yeah. that I put on the plate <laughs> and I set it in the case and that's well we're going to play Alex Chilton and we're going to feel sad cuz Alex Chilton died and that kind of was the inspiration to like well what we should do a tribute mm-hmm. a tribute donut if you look at the big star donut compared to the pinks and right. the and the prints and all that, uh, you know, we the, have some. We, there's no artists. way I could, you know, we put <laughs> yeah. the swirl and the squiggle on the donut just to, because that's the thing we could actually do that didn't look too bad. <laughs> but the people working for us now have been able to just take it over the top. Yeah. There's so many different styles and stuff. With the Prince donut, that's passion. Right. That isn't. Right. That isn't us calling no. and saying so and so passed away, and they're like, "Who?" It's like, "Look them up on the internet. You need to do this tribute." Okay, and they do it because they, yeah. they actually. That's also a. A perk too, because you mm-hmm. get to you actually get to create some art. But when there's passion in it, like with David Bowie or Tom Prince, Petty. Tom, Tom Petty, Petty and stuff like those. I mean, with with Bowie, I think we're like, we want six of them. Yeah. I want as many as you can do of high quality. And um, we don't sell those donuts, so they are just tribute donuts that we put in the case, yeah. and they go around for the day, and we Instagram them or whatever we do, and then they go away. They, yeah. We don't sell them and stuff. And the Prince donut, the Prince one, yeah, that was, was a, a little bit of it was a bit of a controversy because I I made the call. I was like, oh my, again, passion. It was just like Prince and I. We got to make some purple donuts, and let's just charge a dollar. So we did that. And that was a mistake because we, number one, ran out. So people were waiting in line because people were buying 20 of them and we can't. So then it became a limit and just became this big thing. And people were mad because they couldn't get the Prince Donut. And then on the other hand, we're getting all of this blowback from that we were profiting off of his death. So every bar in the world was selling purple purple rain martinis, whatever. So I got really a little miffed about that. But we ended up giving like... Pretty much we were able to track how many we sold and we gave all of those sell sales to Ethos Music just nice. out of the blue. And I bet Prince would have enjoyed that. But Absolutely. Voodoo did not profit off Prince's death. And and that was something where it is funny where you just really realize you can't keep everybody happy. And then we had to kind of quit calling them tribute donuts because like when Fidel Castro died, we called it a tribute donut. And there's a lot of people out there who don't like Fidel Castro. And for us, it was like Fidel Castro died. We're gonna make a donut. You know, he's pretty. It's whether not, he's a good guy, it wasn't celebrating or a bad guy. Fidel right. Castro. It was. I mean, kind of the impetus behind it, as we thought about it more, was it was like a social media post. Mm-hmm. You found, you know, you found out that, that the celebrity passed away because you saw it at our shop or on our Instagram. Right. was kind of more of the impetus. It's not we saying making that, a that pol- that's a political great person. Statement. Oh, my God, we love this person. It's just like that person died. That's that's a part of life it's and a, a part of death, and it happened. Sort of an acknowledgement. But now, no, you know, no. we you need to consider right. what you're doing, and you need to consider if that person, you know. I mean, like, do you do a Bill Cosby donut? That's the question. You know, and, uh, and boy, you can imagine when Charles Manson died and how much we discussed right. that. I and uh, yeah. we did do a Charles Manson donut and got all sorts of trouble for that. So... It's complicated, you know, right. and, and when people die, it's complicated. We have always, I, I don't like to say celebrate death because, but people die and we like to celebrate, you know, their, yeah. you know, through donuts and don- donut art, you know, or at least acknowledge people's passing. So right. um, after a while, it's not, you can't just off the cuff things. You have right. to, you have to think big, about them now. We got got a lot of and, uh, and we know that we're, you know, there's always, no matter what you do, that, that was Haters part of gonna hate coming out of my shell for this, to be a personality, to go on stage, to perform the weddings, to all the wrestling and stuff. Once you accept that, you know that there's always one person out there. You should always expect one person out there that just will look you in the eye and say you suck, no matter what. And that's okay. Everybody's got their form of opinion, but you have to accept that. Mm-hmm. People who can't accept that, it's going to be very hard in life because mm-hmm. no matter what you do, when you at your best moment, happiest in the world, Someone's gonna throw a tomato at you. I just can't accept that. Cat Daddy. I just, <laughs> I just can't accept that. I just, it's too it's hard. rough, it's but too you hard. just, you just gotta, you always gotta look out for the tomato. It's, it's yeah. coming from from some angle. It is, and the bigger you get, the bigger the target. And for us, I mean, 
I still, I mean, I'm kind of speaking for Cat Daddy, I think, on this too, but they are just donuts, you know? I mean, they're I, they're great donuts. I mean, believe me, I love Voodoo Donut. I'm not, I hate saying they're just donuts, but, you know. At the end of the day. fried dough, right? right? And we're, we're decorating them in funny, interesting ways and, and uh, have come across some toppings that are better than others. And it's just sort of, it just is what it is, you know? And if you really want to really dissect it too much, it's just fried dough. People have been doing it for thousands of years. And it's good fried dough. And thank you for bringing me a box. You're today. so welcome. Course, good things course. come in pink boxes. The magic is in the hole. It certainly is. Trace, Cat Daddy, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for my conversation with Trace, Shannon, and Cat Daddy. If you've missed any of the previous podcasts, you can find them at our website at kink.fm. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Portland 50 podcast wherever you're listening. The Portland 50 is a podcast series celebrating Kink's 50th anniversary, and it's about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland, one company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950.